Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. I'm glad you're joining us, either here in person or online. We're in a series about relationships, deepening or improving our relationships, and uh, the series is called Known. Uh, we all have a desire to be known, um, ingrained desire. So today, actually, we're going to do something different, a couple of reasons different. Uh, this is part one of part of two, all right? So... Uh, we're going to talk about 10-somethings. We're only going to cover five of them today and five of them next week, okay? So you can, you can relax a little bit about that. Uh, we're also going to be uh, grading ourselves as we go along. So, building real community. Uh, all the way back at the beginning, God created everything, put Adam in the garden, and he said everything was good, right? Except for one thing. What was the one thing that wasn't good? Perfect garden, perfect person. He was alone. Remember that? He was alone. So it's not good for man to be alone. Mankind of a you and I are not designed to be hermits. We are designed to be in relationship. The problem is, especially since sin entered way back with Adam, that we have negative uh, qualities, right? And so that makes it difficult for us to connect. So God has created an environment for you and I to work on this, to improve our relationships. And he calls it the church. The church is people. So that's you and I rubbing shoulders, uh, talking face-to-face. That is the place God designed for us to, along with family, of course, to develop our relationships. So we have a word we use for community, and that's a, a word, fellowship. Fellowship. Here's my favorite definition of fellowship. There's lots of definitions. Being as committed to one another as you are to Jesus Christ. Now, you might read that and say, that sounds a little sacrilegious. No, 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 no. Jesus said it himself. A guy, a lawyer, smart guy came to Jesus and asked him, okay, we got all these commandments, 600 and some. We even have the 10 commandments. What's the most important thing? Just tell us, Jesus. Just tell us one thing. He said, well... Fascinating to me. He said, I got to give you two. He couldn't get down to one. He said, I got to give you two. Um, love God, committed to God, and love other people, committed to other people. So Jesus said it. We are to be committed to each other as we are to, to Jesus Christ. I'd like to put it this way. Once you become a believer, believing in Jesus Christ, entered a family of God, born again, whatever term you prefer, you don't all only just believe, you also need to belong. The belonging commitment to God is important as the believing commitment to God. So we're going to look at a lot of things uh, in Scripture this morning, kind of get a general overall view of this topic. Most, a majority of those things were written by Paul. And so as we read those, he just wrote a little bit different to one, one church and to another. So starting off in Romans. So in Christ, so once you're a believer, we, though we're many, there's many of us, right? Form one body. So it doesn't matter how many of us there are, together we form a unit, a one thing, a one body, all right? And each of the members or the parts belong to all the others. So what does that look like? The body is a good illustration of that. <clears throat> one of the issues I have with American in general, but Christianity, American Christianity, 
is our focus on what I call independence. You know, it's just me and Jesus. Jesus saved me. Uh, you know, it's about, this is about us, all right? And I don't need anybody else. Well, that's not true. In fact, the scripture talks about it. If you use a body analogy, what would happen if I cut this thumb off? Could it go off on its own and do its thing? No, it's got to be connected or independent or interdependent on the body to function. Actually, it would, it would be dead if it was cut off, right? Take any part of your body. All the parts of the body are dependent on the other parts of the body that makes up the body. So we, you and I are dependent on each other. There's no solo Christianity, or Lone Ranger Christianity. So, uh, Paul, some of the, several of these are going to be where Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul is an older pastor, a preacher, evangelist. Timothy's a younger guy. So he, he continually gives him instructions on how to pastor people, be a pastor, right? So here's one thing he said to him. I am writing these things to you so that you will know how to live in the family of God. Another analogy, this group of us is a family. The family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. So, it's the interaction of us like in a family. And so, um, as we go through this list, I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Can this happen? We're talking building blocks of real community. Can this happen just coming showing up here on Sunday morning? That's the question I want to ask yourself. Can I build these relationships, this community, by just being here? Certainly not by just watching from home. All right? So, 10 building blocks of real community or fellowship. Again, we're only going to do five today, all right? So, we'll start off with a simple one. Fellowship is built on frequency. Frequency. Um, I've got to spend time with you to develop a relationship with you. That's common sense, right? So, fellowship is built on frequency. That's why we encourage you not just to come here on Sunday morning, but to be involved in a small group, especially if you miss Sunday morning. At least you're with other believers, part of this family, at least once a week, right? And hopefully more than once a week. You can be involved in ministry projects with other people. But you've got to be with other people, other parts of the family, right? Now, as we go through this list, the key is going to be, are we going to do it or not, right? Is that an old ad? Just do it? Is that Nike or something, right? All right. So the question is, are we going to do it? And we're going to, again, we're going to grade ourselves. So again, uh, we're going to look at a lot of authors of Scripture that point us in this direction. So writer of Hebrews makes it as simple as possible. He says this, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. So meeting together should be a habit. A habit is something we talked about, pre-deciding this is enough value that I'm going to do it on a regular basis. I've pre-decided that. So I've done that about brushing my teeth before I go to bed at night. I don't always feel like brushing my teeth, but it's a habit. I know it's important for my oral health, so I do it, right? It's a habit. But some people have given up the habit of doing that. And some of folks have done that since COVID, of course. Um, instead, all right, instead of giving up that habit, he says, instead, let us encourage one another all the more, even more. All right. 
only way I can encourage you is to interact with you, right? Even if it's on screen, I can encourage people. But I have to interact. So what happens if I don't have that happen in meeting together? Then I don't get encouraged, and you don't get encouraged. That only can happen through interaction. And the more we interact, the more that can happen. Um, early church, Jesus left and went to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. We call it Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved on that first day, that first revival, whatever you want to call it. So what did they do after that? All right? 3,000 people in the family of God. Uh, Acts chapter 2. It's all in Acts chapter 2. The coming of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 souls are saved. And the end of the chapter says this, among us other things, they worship together regularly. Regularly. What did it mean in their case? At the temple, every day. We struggle sometimes with doing it once a week. They did it every day. Now, they didn't do it just at the temple. They met in, in small groups. They met in homes. Uh, they shared communion together. And then, fascinating thing to me is this. They shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. All right? They ate together. We did that a couple weeks ago at the chili cook-off. And something intimate happens when we eat together. Isn't that strange? It just does. You don't have to force it. I got thinking about heaven. We're gonna, you know there's going to be feasts in heaven? Um, we talked about this once before. Most of you know I don't eat any meat. And, of course, there's not going to be any killing in heaven. So I guess, is God going to create meat without animals? I don't know what he's going to do. But anyway, oh, we're going to be all vegetarians in heaven. I don't know. All right? But the point is we're going to be eating together, even in heaven. So we should be, certainly be eating together here on earth, right? It deepens relationships. There's something, I don't know, something we open up more, maybe when we're sharing food together, whatever it might be. So that's what they did. They met regularly, daily, in houses as well, as well as at the temple, worshiping together and eating together. Uh, Paul, again, writing to Timothy, this younger pastor. Here's what he says. Enjoy Here's another good word, right, besides fellowship, the companionship. I like being with you, and you like being with me. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord for pure hearts. So, frequency. Rate yourself on frequency. Uh, my wife thought it was cute to put these little, what do we call them, emojis on there. So, grade yourself. If, yeah, you, it's, you're not regular in being with other people. Christians and put yourself over there by the orange one. You can put yourself in between two if you like. Um, I get a high grade on this one. As somebody told me, you get paid to be good. I get, I'm good for nothing, meaning, you know, the rest of you. <laughs> um, so you pay me to be here, so I'm here all the time. But uh, I'd be here anyway. But I get a good grade on this one just because it's my job, right? And we're going to give you applications or next steps on each one of these. Now, I don't want you to focus on all five. But if you focus on the five, you won't do any of them. So I really want you to ask God or pray, say, okay, which one of these am I really uh, maybe lacking or I really feel convicted about or I feel, really feel like I need to work on? And then focus on that one. So if it's this first one, if it's frequency, what does keep me from meeting more consistently? Now, I know there's kids' sports and there's 
you know, work sometimes and so forth. But what is keeping you? Is it something you can change? Best way I can describe is this, is being with other believers, whether it's worship, ministry, small group, whatever it is, is it just a convenience or is it a conviction? And that'll kind of answer that question for you. Is it just convenience or is it a conviction? Which means it would be a habit, all right? That's number one, frequency, building block of community. Common sense one, right? Second one, and we talked about this two weeks ago, so we'll get through this one a little quicker. But it's really important. Fellowship is built on authenticity. As long as you're not being yourself or I'm not being myself, then the degree of our relationship is going to be really shallow, right? So a couple of verses we used a couple of weeks ago. Uh, first, Paul writing, love others well. Don't hide behind a mask. There's our word, love authentically, really. What you see is what you get. We talked about the reason we don't do this, the reason we wear masks is because we have fears, fears of uh, people getting to know us. Because if they got to know us, they might not like us or they might reject us. And consequently, then we're trying to avoid the hurt that comes from rejection. But we miss the benefit of being known, loving others and having them love us. Then we use a passage from 1 John where he said, if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Remember back in the days when everybody, maybe still do it sometimes, the people come to church and they'd always come with a smile on their face. And if you ask them how they're doing, they always say, I'm doing fine or I'm doing great. Uh, I hope we don't do that anymore. I try not to do that. If you have asked me in the past how I'm doing, I'll stop and think and say, oh, yeah, I'm doing good or I'm doing fine. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not doing so good. Because it hinders deepening of relationships when we're just not allowing people in. We're just dealing on the surface, right? I love this statement. Revealing... Your feelings is the beginning of healing. It's the beginning of growth. It's the beginning of becoming closer. So, guilt's a feeling, right? Guilt's a feeling. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's something else. Jealousy. I don't know. But as long as we reveal them as we... Uh, admit to them as we, that we can actually work on them or deal with them. And it's important to reveal them to somebody other than yourself. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, another place in James. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Now, this is a fascinating thing to me. This is instruction of Scripture or a command of Scripture that we don't do. Now, the Catholics have kind of a built-in way, not to each other, but to confess to a priest. We don't confess our sins to one another. This is something we completely ignore for whatever reason. It's difficult, I know. So admit your false steps, your offenses, pray for one another. Now, how can I pray for you unless you tell me what's going on? Where you're struggling? Where you're uh, hurting? Where you uh, need to change? How can I pray for you? Unless I know this thing. 
Then you can be healed and restored. But it comes through knowledge, right? I've got to know. I've got to know you. What am I going to pray for you about? <clears throat> um, in small groups, those of you in, in a small group, hopefully all of you will consider being in a small group. Uh, years ago, what I used to, there's two things basically happen in a small group. Um, study the Bible, and we share our lives together, right? And we pray, and we share our lives together. Well, I used to do the Bible study first, then you know what happens? Sometimes we talk a lot, and it's time to, to leave, and then we just tack a prayer on the end. So if you've been in one of my small groups for the probably the last 10 years, what do we do first? We share our lives together, and we pray for each other, right? If some of the Bible study doesn't get done, that's okay. But the Bible part is really important. That's why I put this next verse on your outline. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. This book, not the paper, but this contents of this book are different than any other book. All right? It's really a bunch of letters and books together, but anyway. It's alive. You know any other books that's alive? There's no other books that's alive. All right? Just this one. And so consequently, it's powerful. It has power. In fact, you know how powerful it is? It explains it. Sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes. This is how powerful it is. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So, if you want to be more authentic, and I pray that you do, that's a goal of you, be more authentic in your relationships, let me encourage you to do something. Spend some time in this book. And that will be a result of that. So judge yourself on authenticity. Do you hide yourself? Do you wear a mask? Are you authentic with people? The question you can ask yourself is this. What encourages me to be more open to other people? And what holds me back? So those two components are essential for growing in your relationship with God and with other people. Spending, being open, authentic with people and studying God's Word. So that's building block number two. We're doing pretty good. Let's go to number three. Fellowship is built on mutuality. And this is something I don't think we talk about very often. Scripture tells it. Paul's writing in the Romans. He says this. We may be mutually encouraged that, so that and comf comforted by each other's faith, both yours and mine. All right? So, I mutually, we mutually encourage each other. So I encourage you, you encourage me. Right? It's really hard to encourage yourself. It's really hard to get stronger by yourself. Um, old song, I think from the 60s. We all need somebody to lean on. I don't know who the author was, the singer, whatever. We all need someone to lean on. I love this word picture from... Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. I think we can all relate to this. In fact, I was talking to somebody at a cave. Um, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But if someone falls alone, you're in real trouble. Most of you know I run and hike on the Appalachian Trail, and I've fallen a lot of times. Thankfully, I have my cell phone with me, but I've never had to have somebody come and rescue me. Uh, something that stuck with me probably for 40 years is a statement by a Chuck Swindoll, some of you know him. He said, the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. Why do we do that? 
why do we condemn people and put people down if they're not perfect? This is crazy because it's hypocritical because none of us are perfect, right? So, you're going to fall, I'm going to fall. When you fall, I want to help pick you up. I don't want to leave you there or condemn you, and hopefully you'll do the same for me, mutually. So I'll give you a couple of specifics, ways to help each other, mutuality. Mutual accountability, all right? Uh, it could be a workout partner. It could be somebody you're on a, some kind of um, diet. Um, of course, we can talk about it spiritually too. Now, people that are married, uh, hopefully you have a good enough relationship with your spouse that you can do this for each other because we know each other better than anybody else. So, if you've got a habit you want to try and break or you want a new habit to start, you can have your spouse, in my case, kind of turn me on that, right? And keep track with me. How are you doing this week on reading your Bible every day or doing your exercises or being on your diet or whatever it might be, all right? Yeah, well, yeah, I did it every day this week. No, I'm, I missed a couple of days. Uh, thanks for reminding me, all right? Again, accountability not to condemn the person, but to encourage the person. And uh, actually, it really works well with somebody that's not your spouse because sometimes you have an issue with your spouse that you really can't work out with them. So, find an accountability partner. Scripture says it this way, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, spiritual habits. Finally, you know, look for ways. Um, because hiding ourselves is only to our own detriment. Uh, statement I put on your outline. You're only as sick as your secrets. In your relationship, your only issue, serious issues are things you are hiding, things you won't work on, things you won't reveal. And again, I, I know that this is fear involved, being rejected or whatever it might be. But the only way to heal it's a reveal those secrets. So mutual accountability, hold each other accountable. Mutual encouragement. We've already talked about this, but we'll, we'll read this verse. Uh, don't use foul and abusive language. Don't curse people. <laughs> Let everything you say be good and helpful. Uh, message translation, we use that term. Um, every word a gift. Every word a gift. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So when I speak, hopefully it's encouraging to you. When you speak, it's encouraging to me. Now, I get thinking of some, about ministry. Some people say, well, no, it's not my ministry to work with kids. and Oh, it's not my ministry to work in the cafe. Thankfully, we got some new people to do that. That's great. Uh, it's not my ministry to cut the grass. or not my ministry to do the sound or the singing, whatever. Let me tell you, everybody should have, be involved in ministry, right? Here's a ministry anybody can do. And hopefully you would enjoy it because it's mutual, right? And that's, my goal is to encourage other people. And if you do that, guess what happens? Other people will encourage you. I even got a compliment on my shirt this morning. <laughs> that was unusual. <laughs> that's nice to look nice, right? Uh, so mutual encouragement. Moving on. And that, uh, another thing we don't talk about much is honoring. Scripture talks about it a lot. Mutual honoring. I should not just encourage you, I should honor you, and vice versa. Uh, Paul, again, writing in Romans, be devoted to one another with mutual love. There's another mutual word. 
showing eagerness. Are you eager to honor one another? Going out of your way to honor one another? Eagerness to honor one another. So let's grade ourselves on that one. How are we doing? Put your marks wherever you want. Here's something to think about. Where could I use the most support in my spiritual growth? Do I need to be in a small group having people I can share my life with? Or maybe I need to be in God's Word and I'm not in God's Word. You know, you answer it for yourself. And again, these are only going to be helpful if we do it. And like I said, focus in on one to work on uh, this week. Number four, fellowship is built on courtesy. It's something that's kind of been lost in our culture anymore, isn't it? People just aren't courtesy anymore. But anyway, Scripture says it's important for you and I to be. And if you're not a Jesus follower, I think it's beneficial for, to you also. So, uh, Paul again writing, Be kind and conciliatory and gentle, showing unqualified consideration. Isn't that a neat phrase? Unqualified consideration and courtesy toward who? Everyone. So I got to thinking, well, it's people I like and people it's easy to do. But what about those, I call them difficult people. You got any difficult people? Oh, don't need to raise your hand. The difficult people, <laughs> either you work with or in your family, wherever they are, here at church, whatever they are, okay? Unqualified consideration and courtesy toward those people. You know the old adage, if, if you can't figure out who the difficult person in your small group is, guess who it is? It's you. It's you. Or your family, wherever it might be. So, those people that, you know, just if their caller ID shows up, you don't want to answer the phone. You know who I'm talking about, right? So, rather than avoiding them, what does God want us to do? He wants us to pour ourselves into them. Right? Unqualified consideration and courtesy. Uh, Paul writing again to Romans. Now receive, receive the one who is weak in the faith and do not have this and do not have this arguments over differing opinions. Now the context here is fascinating. What's happened is he's talking about some people eat meat, and most of you know I don't eat meat, uh, and some of you eat meat and don't have a problem with it. Okay. So, now it wasn't meat versus no meat. It was meat, no meat versus meat that was offered to idols. And so some people became believers and they knew, remembered that they were offering meat sacrifices to idols that weren't, weren't God. God doesn't want that kind of sacrifice. So they felt, their, it bothered their conscience that somehow offering that meat as a sacrifice to a false idol had contaminated it somehow. So they didn't feel right eating it. Okay, so if you have no problem with it, which in generality, probably none of us would, uh, it's a false god anyway. It's not real, right? So it hasn't hurt the meat. But if it bothers you, I should let it bother you and not try and talk you out of it or look down upon you because your feelings are different than mine. Then he goes on to talk about days of worship. You know, some people worship on Saturday, some people worship on Sunday, 
I should not condemn you or argue with you if you decide to work on Saturday, worship on Saturday. Our small groups meet different days. We're worshiping there. So, general principle. Some people may not be as mature as you in the faith. Don't argue with them. Show courtesy, right? Um, where is it? Next, James, yeah. James again. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Take note of what? You should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, most of the time you will be slow to get angry. But the real key when we're dealing, especially with difficult people, is this. You have to get to know them. All right? Have to try and walk in their shoes, as we have said in the past. And once I've learned that person's story, what they've been through, you know my reaction normally is? Man, they're doing better than I'd be doing if I'd been through that situation. I like the way I think of it this way. Don't think about how far they have to go yet. They may still be immature, but think about how far they've come. Celebrate that. Honor them for that. Wow. That's really cool that you managed to have this growth in your, in your life. So, grade yourself on that component of courtesy. Um, question, to whom do I need to show more love and respect or courtesy? Who is it? Again, the person that you don't want to answer the phone when it rings? Maybe it's that person. All right, maybe God wants you to focus in on that one. Or maybe the fifth one. This is the last one. Building block of real community. Fellowship is built on compassion. Sympathy. And if possible, even empathy, if you've been through that same experience. Paul wrote, writing again, he said this, Since you are all set apart by God, made holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with a holy way of life. How does he describe holy way of life? What's the, what's the first component he mentions? Compassion. Compassion. If you and I are going to live a holy life, we are going to be compassionate people. Kind, humble, and gentle, and patient. Most people, probably everybody, has at least two basic needs. One is to be understood or to be known, and the other is to have their feelings validated. And especially if you're in a marriage relationship, don't ever tell your spouse, you shouldn't feel that way. We always tell, in a council, we always tell couples, feelings are real, right? Feelings are real. They might not be justified, and you can figure that out later. But validate the person's feelings. Have compassion. Have sympathy. Uh, another way to describe it is this way in Corinthians. One member suffers, all the parts share the suffering. So when you're struggling, you're hurting, I'm hurting. And I'm hoping there's some way I can help you not hurt so much, right? That's sympathy. And again, empathy if you're going through the same experience. The other thinking about it in a small group, there's two things we do in a small group. We share our lives together and pray, and we study God's Word. Which do you think is more important? 
Let me ask it this way. Is it more important for you to be smarter or is it more important for you to be more compassionate? I think it's compassionate. I think I'm smart enough. No, <laughs> none of us are smart. Uh, compassion is huge. Um, Paul, again, said it this way. Share each other's burdens. So, hey, let me, pick, let me, let me help carry that. Share each other's burdens. Why? Because this is the way we obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? We talked about it at the beginning. Loving God and loving other people. So how do I do that? Well, by sharing my burdens with them and then sharing their burdens with me. An old adage, um, I'm sure you've heard it before, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's why Christian ministry is so critical. People out there aren't going to care about God until they know that we care about them. If you care that much about me, well, maybe there's something to this God of yours. Last verse. Book of Job. It's an Old Testament book, and it's really a fascinating book because this really um, pretty spiritual, mature guy, all this terrible stuff happens to him. And then he has some friends, so-called friends. And if you read it, it you, you know that their goal is to encourage him, but they don't encourage him. They don't show sympathy. They don't show compassion. And so early on in the book, it says this. A person can get to the place where life is so heavy. A despondent person deserves kindness from his friends even though maybe he strays from the fear of the highest one, where, where you get to the place where, I don't know if I believe anymore. God, if you're going to let all this stuff happen to me, you know, it could be a death of a loved one. It could be an illness. It could be a financial setback. It could be, you know, you lost your job. It could be a, a broken marriage. Whatever it might be. You got to the place where, God, I don't know. If this is what it means to be a believer, I don't know if I want to be one. We call this doubt. And I don't know what you feel about doubt. I'm going to start talking about doubt in a couple of weeks from now. I think most people think that doubt is a, is a sin. I don't think it's a sin. But we'll talk about that in a, in, a, in a few weeks. But what that person needs is someone come alongside them, right? So grade yourself on that component. Here's a question. Who has supported me when I needed help? How did they do it? One other thing, we'll close. In Scripture, there's a bunch of phrases we call the one another's. Right? Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, confess our sins to one another. That's another one. There's 20-some of them. I don't know how many exactly. Let me ask you. These are commands of God, instructions from God. Can you do that without these components we were talking about? Without frequency, without compassion, and courtesy and honoring and all the others. There's something to leave you with. Let me pray with you. Ah, Father God, we thank you that you desire intimacy with us and you desire us to have intimacy with one another. But uh, 
We all have our, 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 our faults, our shortcomings, our sins. And they just kind of interfere and kind of disrupt that. And, and we go around with this fear, letting people know us. And consequently, then we suffer by not getting the intimacy we desire. So God, I would pray, each of us, do some soul searching. Maybe specifically about one of these five areas. Say, okay, God, you're serious about this. I need to be serious about this. What do I need to work on? What do I need to improve? And then we ask for your help to do it because we need help. Otherwise, we've probably been doing it already. And we thank you, God, for your patience and love for us as we go through that slow growth process. And anybody that's not a Jesus follower, our prayer for you is that today you would accept that glorious gift of salvation, forgiveness of sin, and eternal life in God's presence. Just say yes to God. And if you make that decision, please let us know so we can come alongside you and encourage you. Father God, thank you for your presence in the service. I pray that you've spoken through me and through your word and through the music, all for your honor and glory and for the growth of your children. We thank you in Jesus' name.